0: Welcome to PageCast's holiday season. This December, we're looking back and reflecting on all the incredible books published in 2022. We've asked a few special guests to review their top pick for the year and to give us a taste of what they'll be reading this holiday and in the new year. We hope you enjoy this episode of PageCast's Books in Review for 2022. Hi, everyone. My name is Pippa Hudson. I'm the lunchtime host on radio station Cape Talk. And uh, Book Club is my favorite part of the week where every Friday afternoon we interview authors. We talk about what we've been reading. We share recommendations and just celebrate a love of reading. So it's a great pleasure for me to be part of PageCast's sort of wrap up of 2022. It's been a year of some fabulous books, and it's quite hard to choose a standout amongst all of them. I had a really hard time narrowing it down, but when I thought back on the year to the books that had really moved me and made me think and sort of stuck in my head, the one that just jumped out at me straight away was A Terrible Kindness by Jo Browning Rowe. It was her debut novel. Rowe is a creative writing teacher at the University of Cambridge in the UK, and the main character is an undertaker. It's a profession that uh, Jo Browning Rowe knows very well because she actually grew up in a crematorium in Birmingham, so she has had lifelong first hand experience of watching what i guess you can describe as the sort of the quiet duty of care which so often goes entirely unseen and that was one of the things i really loved most about this book was that it gave insight into a job that nobody really likes to think about too closely and to pay too much attention to because these are people that we usually only encounter at the very worst days of our life and i just think it means so much to loved ones in their time of grieving that somebody like that is there paying attention and caring for the person who has passed. So I really enjoyed the insight into how they worked and what is involved in the job, as grim as that might sound. Just to sort of set set you in frame. The book opens in October 1966. It opens at a, a fancy gala dinner, black tie event. Everybody's gathered together to celebrate the newest class of graduates from an embalming college. One of them is a young man named William Lavery, who is, I think he's only 19 years old. He's the youngest person ever to qualify into the profession. But like the author, he has grown up at ease in this world because it is the family business and uh, his father has done it before him. So he has grown up surrounded by people working with the dead. As the book progresses, though, we learn that this actually wasn't the business that William intended to join. As much as he was expected to join it, he had a different vision, and his mother had a different vision. And he was intended for a life in music. He's a very, very gifted singer. As a chorister, he attended the Cambridge Choir School from a very young age. And Part of the storyline of this book is the story of the events that propelled him off that path back into the expected route of working as an undertaker. I don't want to give too much away, but it's an important theme running through the book is how William came to abandon the dream of singing and go back into the more mundane job that was expected of him. We soon find out, though, it's not mundane at all. The major plot device that launches us into this story is a very tragic real-life event and that is the disaster at Aberfan in Wales. Um, If you know your British history, you will know that this is a small Welsh village that in 1966 was engulfed by a landslide. There'd been torrential rainfall, it fatally dislodged a very unstable mine dump that lay immediately behind the village and effectively just sent half a million tonnes of coal waste surging down the hillside and directly in the path of that landslide were not just homes and businesses, at the local primary school. That bore the brunt of the disaster. It was buried in seconds in the middle of a school morning under this deluge of black mud. Only a handful of people survived at the school. Over 140 people died. And of those who lost their lives, 116 of them were primary school children. So you can imagine the extent of the tragedy and the devastation of an entire village which lost almost every one of its young children. In a matter of seconds and this is the point where this book begins so on the night of William's graduation party he's sitting there at this black tie event um, celebrating his graduation and celebrating his future when a telegram arrives at the event informing the guests there has been this terrible tragedy undertakers are needed please will anybody who can come to Wales to help not everybody goes but William at the age of 19 feels compelled to respond to that call and he stands up and leaves the dinner and makes his way to Abervan for what will be the first professional job of his career as a working undertaker. That is where we we pick up the circumstances in the village which sort of set the scene for William's story. He works tirelessly through those coming days and nights uh, round the clock, helping to identify the dead, helping to alert the families once bodies have been identified, helping to prepare those children for burial and trying to do what he can to console these devastated families. And in so doing, he has to just shove aside everything that he is feeling and processing and the trauma he's experiencing, because his focus is on trying to do the best for these families and for these children. He pushes it aside successfully in the moment, but he is not able to push it aside completely. And the experience of what he saw and and endured in those days is something that will haunt him for the rest of his life and for the rest of this book. So not only does it uncover all kinds of emotions linked to his past and the losses of his past and the loss of that dream in music, um, all of which he had sort of suppressed deep down. It comes surging back after what he experiences and leaves him with real lingering trauma, uh, trauma that affects him into adulthood, that leaves him unable to sleep, that that impacts every aspect of his life as he tries to move forward, tries to start a family of his own and finds himself so profoundly impacted by what he saw and went through at Abavan he makes a comment in the book or the author makes a comment through him that, that Abervan seems to have scooped the very core out of him and left him as broken as the little bodies he worked on in his time there. So there's this incredibly tragic, moving, powerful moment of history that is the sort of the launch pad into the plot. But A Terrible Kindness is not really a book about abervan; It's a book about William and a book about trauma, and a book about coming to terms with your past and and how it affects your future. And I, I find it really interesting. I know there was quite a bit of dissent over whether this book should have been written at all. I know there was a stream of thought that thought it wasn't appropriate to use a real historic tragedy as a plot device for a work of fiction, especially one that is relatively recent. I mean, we are talking 1966, but... The families affected are still living in Abhavan. The village still remembers, of course, and memorializes what happened there. So I'm aware of the fact that there was some criticism of that decision. I find it personally misplaced because having read the book, I thought this author treated the subject with immense respect, with a huge amount of compassion and gentleness And I didn't find anything problematic or feel that in any way she was exploiting those events and exploiting other people's heartache. It was written so beautifully and so movingly that I really felt she felt their pain, understood what the village had been been through. And obviously she had this very personal insight, given her own background, into how the men working on those bodies would have been affected. So if anything, I thought she really took enormous care um, to portray the fact that the cost of that disaster was more than just the loss of life, that the, the impact extended far beyond the initial event. And she circles back to the village at the end of the book for a very beautiful moment of reflection on what Abervan is like today. And she takes her character William back there. And he has this moment of going back and finding it is not as he remembers it, that time has moved on, that families have rebuilt, that the village has found a way to keep moving and as much as it lives with this painful history life goes on. And it's a very powerful moment for him to reflect on. So despite the theme and the beginning of this book, it ends on a note of immense hope and beauty that really moved me to tears. This is a book that I finished with tears pouring down my cheeks when I read it the first time. So a lot of reasons to recommend it. I mean, it's incredibly emotionally powerful and moving. I found it historically fascinating. And I thought really carefully researched the attention to detail around the events what happened in Abavan was evident. If you are a music lover and particularly a, a classical choral music lover, you will love the thread of the musical story that runs through this book. It's very important to William's personal journey, it's important to the village as well, and it sent me down a real rabbit hole looking into and looking up the hymns that are referenced and the Welsh traditional choral anthems that play a big sort of thread through this book. A particular song that is sung at key moments, for example, um, you'll find yourself wanting to go onto YouTube and listen to it. And once you do, you will, you'll, as I say, go down this rabbit hole, listening to all kinds of other beautiful Welsh music. So that for me was really exciting about the book. I'm very grateful for the music it introduced me to in the reading. And then, yeah, I mean, it is a very thoughtful reflection on trauma and the long reach of trauma, on what it takes to, I won't say recover from trauma, but to move through trauma and find a way to live with hope after trauma. And on what it takes to find hope in a world that feels broken all around you, which I think is quite a relevant message right now. A lot of people are feeling that way, that the world is in a mess and it's hard to find a sense of hope for the future. I think the message of this book is that you will find it if you look for it. And if you can't find it, you can help make it. Yeah, I mean, A Terrible Kindness is a book I think I will want to read again. Once my copy comes back to me, I've lent it to so many people telling them, you've got to read this book, and I have yet to find anybody who hasn't enjoyed it that I've lent it to. That is my probably one of my most memorable reads of the year in fiction, A Terrible Kindness by Joe Browning Rowe. On the nonfiction side, I just want to give a quick mention to the book I've just finished last week, which was Richard E. Grant's new memoir called A Pocketful of Happiness as I said when I interviewed him on my show, its I don't think it is so much a memoir as it is an extended love letter to his late wife, Joan, who he lost to ca- cancer late last year. And they've been together nearly 40 years. This book is partly their love story and the story of her diagnosis and their final months together and how their family processed that. It's told very frankly and tenderly from that perspective. But it is also in part a Hollywood memoir. It has some of the funniest moments and anecdotes of Richard's work in film, uh, the actors he's worked with, the the funny characters that he's met along the way. So you find yourself alternating between being close to tears to laughing out loud at these funny stories that he shares. And he, he, he is so honest in his writing and just absolutely says exactly what is on his mind. So that is another one to add to the highly recommended list for the holidays. Um, it is holiday time, so I'm looking forward to catching up on a bit of lighter fiction reading. Not necessarily lighter fiction reading but just having a break from politics and true life for a little while. I'm really spoiled for choice. My pile that's going with me on holiday includes the new Barbara Kingsolver, uh, the new Celeste Ng, there's a new Maggie Orford to take along, a new Maggie O'Farrell. The one I'm probably going to start with is The Winners which is the new novel novel from Frederick Backman. Um, I'm sure many of you remember A Man Called Ove which I absolutely loved. I keep on hearing that this one is just as heartwarming as that was. So I'm looking forward to that. And then I'm also taking along a book called Isaac and the Egg, which is the debut from an author called Bobby Palmer. I don't know terribly much about it. Other than that, I keep on hearing it's quite unlike anything else. So That's going in the holiday bag as well. There's a new Philippa Gregory art, and I have been binging the series adaptations of her War of the Roses novels on Netflix for the last few weeks, so I'm probably going to slide that one onto the pile as well and give it a try. Uh, A lot of reading, uh, but that's what holidays are for, right? Um, I hope you can also get lost between the pages of a great book this Christmas time, and happy reading. I hope you've got some great suggestions from PageCast uh, to take along in your holiday grab bag. And uh, all the best to you and your loved ones for the festive season. Thanks for listening to this episode of PageCast. To make the holiday season that much better, we are giving away weekly book bundles of all the top picks. Follow us on Instagram at Jonathan Bull Publishers to find out more. From everyone at PageCast, happy holiday.